0: fundraising everywhere fundraising everywhere fundraising everywhere fundraising everywhere fundraising everywhere fundraising everywhere fundraising
1: everywhere fundraising everywhere
0: fundraising everywhere fundraising
2: everywhere
0: fundraising everywhere
2: fundraising everywhere fundraising everywhere fundraising
0: everywhere fundraising everywhere fundraising
2: everywhere fundraising everywhere fundraising everywhere fundraising everywhere fundraising everywhere fundraising everywhere podcast is kindly sponsored by our friends at just given now one of the things that we love most about just given is that they believe that everyone deserves to be able to use the very best fundraising tech to raise more money and that includes all charities small and big and anyone in the world that wants to make a difference for a cause they care about and although they've been around for years they're still as passionate as ever about creating cool new tech and are always releasing new features plus the team's lush to work with and they really care about charities
0: welcome to raising everywhere twitter spaces and podcast Uh, for those of you who haven't joined us before What we do is we do a live Twitter spaces around once a month where we go through, uh, I suppose, the latest trends, any big news in fundraising. Just basically check in with our fundraising community, see what people want to talk about, have a bit of a conversation. uh, And we do record it. So just to warn you that we are recording this uh, and then we put it out on our Fundraising Everywhere podcast. And if you're not subscribed to our Fundraising Everywhere podcast, I highly recommend you do. We put out weekly episodes uh, with lots of content, lots of sessions, some great interviews all sorts of things. So if you're not part of the podcast, do sign up for that, do subscribe to it. It's on all good podcast platforms. It's on Spotify and iTunes and all of those. Um, So we will be repurposing this and putting it into the podcast. So hello to our podcast listeners. But if you're joining us here live today, that you can be part of this Twitter spaces. You can be part of this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Uh, So do feel free to request the microphone and we will certainly bring you up on stage because we love to talk to our fundraising community. And we'd like to hear, I suppose, how your um, last few months have gone The last few weeks have gone as fundraisers or as your nonprofit. we would always love to hear about people's successes people's failures if you want to have a little moan a little rant about anything in the fundraising world you can if you want to share what's working for you or share any of your successes then you can share that here as well we'd love to hear you and love to chat to you about it um but usually we get started myself and nikki uh, as the co-founders of fundraising everywhere and everywhere plus we we i mean we check with each other i mean nikki we we rarely get a chance to talk to each other do we so i like these twitter spaces because we get to catch up and find out what's been going on in your fundraising world uh so like i said anyone who wants to join and come on stage please do feel free to request the microphone um, but while we're getting started nikki how are you doing
2: do you know, this week has been really hard. So I had a very busy week at the beginning of April and then caught COVID from that very busy week. And then with the Easter holidays, I'm finding it really hard to catch up with with everything. And I've tried the um, the kind of the, the the process of plotting everything out and then, you know, what must be done, what has you know what should be done and everything's going in that quadrant of like needing to be done right right now um so yeah i'm 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 feeling a bit sleepy and a, and a tad overwhelmed um but we have a lovely team helping us i mean i guess that's the kind of vibe across the sector i think most people that i'm chatting to at the moment and some of the listeners who are here today and uh, listeners of the podcast can probably um be familiar with you know i think there's been a strange shift in these first three months of the year as we started to adapt to like in-person meetings and in-person life again whilst trying to find that balance with online and it is a little bit of a struggle um but yeah I think it's just it's about finding balance asking for help where you need it um and just realizing that you can't do everything it's really annoying when you do spaces on your phone because when you don't touch your phone for a while it locks
0: so that's annoying as well. Yeah, and i str- I struggle to use it um, on the on the computer as well sometimes which yeah. more, which is why actually I, I for anyone who doesn't know, my name is Simon Scriber. My Twitter handle is Toast Fundraiser. Um, but I'm under the fundraising everywhere account because frankly I haven't figured out how to how to do it properly um, from my normal account. But there you go. Um, the other so- thing
2: Sorry, go on. I was going to say it's a slightly smaller crowd today. Um, I think we we because of all of the stuff that we had um going on, didn't actually promote this um podcast until last night. And it's the Easter holidays, so it's a I would say an intimate intimate crowd that we that we have today. But you were all very uh, welcome and appreciated.
0: Yeah, well, I was going to say about these holidays. I mean, usually these Twitter spaces, if you haven't joined us before, they do take sometimes a bit of time off as well um, as people start to join. Um, but I can see people like Carol and Lynn and Joseph and Hakima joining. And, and if anyone wants to share uh, with us how your week or month or year so far is going as fundraisers or as nonprofit people, we would love to hear you, so, so please do feel free to request the microphone. But yeah, Nikki, I mean, we have to acknowledge it's Easter, isn't it? So um, I'm in Ireland, and I'm smack in the middle of the school holidays, so it does feel like an extra thing to be juggling. Um, you know, fundraisers and, and nonprofit profit stuff are always overworked and under a lot of pressure, um, but then when you combine that with, with normal life as well and holidays and different things that are going on in our own personal world, it's a stressful time. It, it can be difficult.
2: Yeah, my son's uh, holiday club got cancelled as well, like on the at the last minute for one of the days, which was which was great. That was much much appreciated. But you know what else fundraisers are really good at? They are good at like just pulling stuff together and being epic with it. Um, and yeah, it's I think we just we, we kind of have to just get on with it whilst also uh, maintaining like some sort of kind of care for yourself. So if you are feeling a bit stressed um, and a bit overwhelmed, then um, then, yeah, just find what works for you. But let's move on from this conversation for now because I don't want to kind of start off the podcast of just overwhelm and, and and stress and doom and gloom and stuff. We can focus on the positives. Um, and one positive that I think links quite nicely um, to this is next week there's a report going live about the um effect that virtual events, live virtual events have had on the fundraising sector. And the reason why I'm excited about this is because it's such a pivotal moment for the charity sector in that in-person events are an opportunity, you know, they are an option for organisations at the moment. And what we're finding is that fundraisers are torn between returning uh, to in-person events, which is something that they're familiar with, you know, it's proven or continuing down this journey of digital transformation and making events accessible, sustainable um, and impactful. Um, And this goes live. So we have a webinar on Tuesday, which is going to run through uh, the report and the highlights and then the report itself will be available the following day to download. Um, And what people will be able to do with this free report is they'll be able to take that um, to their board, you know, managers, you know, to their team and say, look, like virtual works this is where we can use it to um its biggest potential and this is how we can do it where it doesn't add more stress or more overwhelm or more things to your to-do list it can actually um help make your job uh, a lot easier so that goes live on on tuesday Um, And uh, if you check uh, the the tweets after this, we will drop a a link uh, in there. Um, And for any listeners, it will be in the copy as well of the podcast where you've just um, clicked through from. Um, So, yeah, Simon, having looked at the report, um, what were your initial thoughts on that?
0: Well I mean you 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 were kind of the expert on this and I I listened intently you were talking at fundraising online today um the resource alliance event was anyone else at the resource alliance event um do do give us a little um twitter spaces emoji uh you can you can wave your hands or your heart or whatever if you're at the resource alliance event today I'd love to hear what you thought um but yeah it's been it's really interesting you know we we've obviously got a glimpse of some of the report before it's gone um gone public um, but it's really encouraging that actually you know, the organizations who who took that opportunity to do virtual events and to, you know, adapt to the stuff during COVID with their fundraising seem to have reaped the rewards. You know, obviously, for some people, they're still finding their feet, um, but the results have been fairly positive, haven't they, in terms of what nonprofits have seen that have that, that I nearly said the pivot word, um, but nonprofits that have moved across um, in the last couple of years generally have had positive results, haven't they?
2: Yeah, which is I mean, it do you know, it's something that me and you've known for a long time. Like we set up the virtual events platform in two thousand and nineteen for the exact reason that the that people used it for like during the pandemic because you know it has all these benefits like reach engagement sustainability accessibility and, and so on and so for me I didn't do the research we hired a professional um who was like an independent um uh, researcher that is her complete background and skill set uh, not mine at all and it was the case of testing these hypotheses of right okay we know virtual events have been useful but like how useful have they been where where have they been most useful and this report's going to just be you know, like lay, lay it all out um my involvement in it is that I have taken Susie's research findings and graphs, um, and just added some uh, kind of context, some narrative to that, and uh, and some infographics because I do like a nice infographic. Um, and what I've tried to do with the report is just make it like as unreport as possible. I don't want to okay. give you, I don't want to give you this like fifty page document that you haven't got time to read. I'm trying to just keep it really like short to the point. Um, some pictures and some visuals that just make it really easy to understand. And I'm excited for people to get that next week.
0: You've made it look very pretty, haven't you? Which is, you?
2: well, Canva did, but yeah. Well, we love Canva,
0: um, and I, I, I'm hoping maybe fundraisers. You know, I think there are going to be fundraisers out there who really believe in um, in virtual events. And what I find with all fundraisers, you know, when they're trying to adopt new technology or try to try new things, often there's a bit of pushback from their own organisation, from their own manager or their own board. And I think research like this can almost help fundraisers make their argument you know because working as a consultant i've seen that a lot where it's like boards and ceos they don't listen to the internal fundraiser it's it's an argument with the internal fundraiser but then when an when an outsider says it suddenly they t- they listen and they take it seriously and so i'm hoping this <laughs> support kind of gives um gives people a bit of ammo when they're going to their own decision makers to to get support for this stuff
2: well, how many times as a consultant, when you were a consultant, did you, the person who hired you go? I've told them this already, but I'm just bringing you in so that they'll hear it from someone else and believe it. Like how frustrating, how frustrating, is that? and how much time must get wasted? I think there's a lesson there as well. Like trust your team and the skills for which you've hired them for, um, and let them shape things. I think that's a, a key thing that we that we need to take away from it.
0: Yeah, that was that was always one of my favorite gigs. Was when um, I was brought in to just talk to a board and, and basically. Confirm what the fundraiser had already told them, just because they needed to hear it from someone that they were paying more money to, and it was no. yeah, it does seem like a bit of a waste of time and stuff. And, like I do think we need to be more trusting of our own fundraisers.
2: Yeah, and it's like you know it, people are like we haven't got time or money for innovation. It's like stop spending money on, on people coming in <laughs> just yeah. to repeat what your team's already said to you. But hey sorry to any consultants that listen that uh, that that might have uh, impacted for future work. <laughs>
0: um so at the, when you were presenting this at fundraising online tell me tell me about a bit about this because you were on a panel and yeah. you know obviously i i hear your opinion quite a lot Nikki, don't i but um but in terms of the other people on the panel who are you on the panel yeah. with
2: uh, so i was with uh, a chap called thomas and uh from oh blue, blue cross Blue Cross. yeah i could see the logo and i could see the color but i couldn't recall the name so thank you for that um and, oh, well,
0: wouldn't, wouldn't the color be blue and the logo be a cross and therefore quite easy to determine
2: no because isn't it a dog Oh, I don't know. Anyway.
0: Is the dog cross?
2: Uh And Rachel as well, um, from a suicide prevention uh, organisation. And again, the the name is Escapes Me. Um, And I was with Matt Smith from Think and Martha Awajabi from which is everywhere just the world smashing it Um, and we were talking about live streaming um, and the untapped potential that it has and it was interesting because when I saw the panel advertised I got in touch with Matt and said can I come on and talk about virtual events and live streaming for stewardship and he replied and and very kindly said yes um, you can come on and He mentioned that the panel discussion originally was going to be focused on acquisition. And I was like, well, that's the issue. Like we keep thinking of live streaming and virtual events as an acquisition tool, whereas actually, you know, there are huge opportunities for it um, when we innovate with it and look at it in different ways. And actually, you know, everyone talks about like the Burnham platform and how, how we have to move away from those kind of mass uh, approaches to to fundraising and think of ways to connect and engage and give choice and control and virtual events and live events really do that you know because it allows you to create this experience so i was on the panel today talking about that and tomorrow i'm delivering a session um around uh, combat and zoom fatigue because Obviously, we want people to continue with virtual events, but we also fully understand and appreciate that some people are sick of Zoom. So uh, tomorrow I'm going to be sharing some skills and uh, tools that people can use to make their virtual events a bit more exciting so that people want to come and they look forward to them.
0: Now, Tom Tom from the Blue Cross was interesting because he is, I think he was relatively new in his role, but he's like a dedicated fundraiser, dedicated in there to gaming online streaming that kind of stuff like that's his full-time focus
2: isn't it yeah, yeah yeah and we're seeing more and more there's there's a couple of charities um that i've seen like on linkedin in the past couple of weeks that are either recruiting for or have just started roles in jobs where their whole like responsibility is is live streaming um and i think that just goes to show i remember i did a talk at Tot, which is i wish i'd thought of that in february 2019 and my talk then was about gaming, and I remember it was at that point that charities were just starting to kind of well, they weren't exploring it; some doing it already with skins and um, and gaming and things like that. And it's taken what how many years? Like three years to to get to this point now and it's just interesting because well obviously we're having the same conversations around like crypto nfts live streaming events things like that so i'd be interested you know in the next three years uh where this is going to go and 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 how uh, and and how these new roles is going to start springing up in charity organizations but those charities are obviously having success with it because they wouldn't be recruiting into it otherwise you know what i mean like there's, there's they've obviously spotted something
0: well, they've, I mean, they've got an advantage over small organizations because they yeah. have the budget to do that stuff. Like, I suppose we can't expect small and medium charities to invest in that stuff. But it—but it's good. You know, we learn as small and medium organizations, we learn from the big organizations, don't we? So we can see what they're doing. Um, you know, let them make mistakes. Let people like Tom, well, not that Tom's going to make mistakes, but let Tom, do. you know, figure it out a little bit. And then hopefully get him to speak at conferences, get him to share his experiences and then steal his uh, his knowledge.
2: Well I've invited him to a new group that I'm putting together which sounds like we're going to start like a, a boy band or something I kind of kind of wish it was could turn into that I don't know where it's going to go but basically in uh, midsummer I'm going to be launching a, a live streaming skills group so people who work in roles where you are responsible for live streaming and virtual events, we're just going to meet every month um, to hear from a guest speaker, either from a charity or outside of the sector, um, and then just have like a roundtable discussion about what each other's doing, what we've been learning, especially from these new roles, from successes and failure, and then people can go off and apply that into their own team. So if anyone is uh, in a in a live streaming or streaming role or events live events role, um, give us a shout, and I'll I'll make sure that you uh, you get. An invite to that when it goes live.
0: Tell me, tell me this, Nikki Bow. I'm going to ask you a question, and then, and then I'm just going to check in with the room before you answer. But what I'm going to ask you is, if you got a job in a, in a big charity, you used to work for a big charity. But if you mm-hmm. got a job in a big charity and you were in charge of that you know, you had a role like that, in charge of live streams, in charge of online, into, uh, in charge of gaming fundraising. I'm curious to know what where you would start what you would do in your first few months on the job But so I'm going to ask you that but I'm I'm just going to check in with everyone just as they call it resetting the room just letting everyone know that this is our uh, monthly Twitter spaces that we do that we also uh, rehash as a podcast on the Fundraising Everywhere podcast um, and if anyone wants to share their opinions or thoughts on what we're chatting about we would love to hear from you so people I'm seeing some names like oh Reed, Reed. I recognize Reed Stockman's name I've seen Reed uh, I think I've seen Reed speak before maybe as a consultant uh, Tim carol jonathan charlie anyone who wants to um uh, um grab the microphone please do put up your hand you're very welcome on the stage i promise we will be nice to you but tell me nikki what would you do in your first six months if you were if you were a live stream fundraiser or a kind of gaming community gaming fundraiser whatever you, you want your job title to be
2: well when i was a community fundraiser that's when i did my talk on gaming and i claimed gaming as a community fundraising uh, channel you know because it's about relationships um and what I would be in is I'd be working with the team with our networks to find out you know what gamers we already had access to like who was fundraising for us already out in the community um and then my first thing in those six months would be reaching out to those people having conversations with them starting to bring them in so that they can help shape what we do or if they haven't got like time for that just basically start to build like a relationship with them and then go from go from there Um, because I know like there's different ways of approaching live streaming and gaming and in the gaming sense like you know you can do that you can do the relationships and, and community approach Obviously, some charities have uh, started uh, building uh, their own games and have been doing that for a while. And then, you know, you can partner with existing games, with fundraising tools within those uh, in terms of like skins and things like that. And obviously, I think NFTs and, and stuff's probably going to get weaved into that eventually once the metaverse comes into its full um, unharmful uh, fruition. So, yeah, uh, that would be that would be what I would do as an ex and continuing community fundraiser. Because once I- they say, I don't know, once you won, you don't stop.
0: Well, uh, you used to always talk. When I have seen you speak before as a community fundraiser, you used to always talk about not trying to uh, almost create the stuff from scratch, but working with your community and your followers and your supporters—the people who are already. How how did you phrase it? Like the people who already were doing this stuff. You're kind of tacking onto it. You you explained it better than I do. What were you saying? What <laughs> you know, and like you used to always talk in community fundraising about it's not about like creating stuff from scratch or you having to learn how live streaming works or you having to learn how Minecraft works or anything like that. It's finding the people in your community who, who have that knowledge and that interest and supporting them
2: yeah i mean that's that's it isn't it to be honest that's what i do through everything i mean even now with the the organizations that we're that we're running um there's lots of things that i don't know there's lots of things that i don't do as well as others so it's been my main focus to make sure that i find out who those people are that do that really well and and bring them into into the team in in some capacity um i think it's yeah that it's that thing isn't it when you are like the most skilled or or smartest person in the room you're in the wrong room and i kind of like approach everything in that sense of like right who's doing things how does it connect with what it is that I'm trying to achieve like who can I connect them to to help them achieve their goals and then it goes from there and I think that's why I did well like as a fundraiser and you know now in the in the sector and pulling the fundraising everywhere stuff together if I do so myself
0: well, I'm relieved because I've never been the smartest person in the room. But I, I've noticed that um, actually Tom, who joined, who was on the panel with you, Tom is actually here with us. Um, and Tom, you know, no pressure, Tom, but if you want to come on and, and speak, we'd love to hear from you. What we were chatting about is essentially someone, someone in your role, you know, who looks after the gaming, fundraising, live stream, fundraising, that stuff in an organization. What would your priorities be? How would you do, you know, how do you run it? What do you do with your first six months? Um, and t- Tom is very welcome to um, um well, basically give us an insight into what he's doing with this. there. We'd love to hear it because I just find it fascinating that the, we're on the brink of this. You know, I, I think charities have been doing it but not many but now we're seeing more and more of these roles created people dedicated and i'm really excited to see how people do this stuff so i can see tom has come up hello tom can you hear me
1: i can some of the tech issues that we had earlier at the absolute worst time during the uh, presentation that was very
2: well timed <laughs> um, uh, i must say i was like oh he's acting out i was like this is very very good yes that, that
1: is very good comedic timing earlier i think uh with going on mute and then not being able to get back off it but um yeah i i think um a lot of what we've done with gaming. I mean, I, I started um, from a similar perspective to what Nikki was just saying with a community focus. So when we first started at Blue Cross looking into sort of gaming and live streaming, it was going back two or three years now. And it was kind of, I was interested in that. I put my hand up at a meeting and started researching it and building a bit of a product. And we, we did reach out to those that were already kind of supporting us and doing this sort of thing and get feedback and thoughts to sort of lead us in the right direction rather than just kind of, learning it all from scratch and doing what we thought would work because they were the experts, uh, the, the streamers and content creators that were out there. And we did already have a few in the network that had rehomed animals from us, but just did this is the sort of hobby. And so actually reaching out to them really helped to shape what we were doing. Um, and then obviously the pandemic hit and a lot of traditional community fundraising, which I was doing in my role previously, kind of came to a grinding halt. So when the opportunity then to launch a specific streaming event in the 1897 challenge came up last year, Uh, we grabbed hold of it it went really really well and from the back of it it was kind of like well how do we continue doing this because as we come out of lockdowns and more community fundraising starts can you really produce such a big event if you've got all these other priorities and you're working part-time on little bits and pieces here Uh, so actually that's where we transitioned and created the virtual events officer role and now i'm hoping in theory we should be running three sort of gaming and streaming events per year and we're actually able to reach out to more influencers and content creators because we've got the time on our hands, which was something we wouldn't have had the luxury of had we not sort of tested and trialled those events and found it does work and it's warranting that expansion, really.
0: Coming from, you coming from a, like a traditional community fundraiser background, what do you think like the big differences in the, in the new role? Is there, is there much difference? Obviously, like the tech and the events themselves are different. But are the people different? The people, the, fu- the volunteer fundraisers, and the and the the people who raise money for you—is there much of a difference in how you actually talk to them and and what they're looking for?
1: It's a, a lot more urgent, I, I think, compared to when we had the fundraisers. You know, they tend to order their fundraising pack and they'll plan it, in a month's time. I'm going to host this, for a bake sale or a, a ball or whatever their event might be. A lot of planning that goes into it live streamers i've definitely found a very spur of the moment that they tend to really? um kind of go right i've seen this thing i like the idea of it let's go and do it um and so it's a lot quicker turnaround which is where are having access to platforms like this score and things where we can answer questions on the fly it has worked really well and actually going to the platforms like twitch where these people are um has really allowed us to sort of reach out to them on their terms answer questions to thank them like that's something obviously we couldn't as a community fundraiser go to every single tea party across the country but you know what? We can be present in live streams and support them by telling them the facts about the chat, telling them how those donations making a difference and encouraging support. And I think we've built some really strong relationships off the back of it. So at uh, it's heart, it's, it's not different. They're still out there asking friends and family, but just because they've got the audience there with the streamers, the are potentially huge, really. And it's seeing how you can steward them in different ways rather than just sticking to the traditional email and post-marketing. It's it, actually, let's get to those platforms where they are
0: that's a really interesting point that you can like um you can show your face at more of these events now can't you like you could almost attend three events at the same time because you're kind of just being present in the chat box from your computer as opposed to having to travel around the country
1: uh, absolutely during an event i've got hundreds of tabs on my browser and <laughs> spreadsheets of everybody that's fundraising and uh, we try and stop by to say hello to as many of them as we can um but there, the truth is there are just so many of them that way. sometimes we might miss a few and it's just trying to get out there and thank them for what they're doing and it's generally really well received there have been a couple of moments where people are like wait the actual blue crosser in my chat um but yeah. for the most part, it's something that does go down really well and again it builds those relationships that not everyone's out there doing it so then when it comes to them deciding who to fundraise for again it sort of stands out and they go well that's something that was unique and it obviously means a lot to them so i want to support yeah. this cause
0: that's really cool i think i think there's a good point there about like it, you know you, you touched on it, that online it feels like it moves so much faster do you know like we've seen this stuff that and i guess partly it's a logistical thing you don't have to book a venue you don't have to set this stuff up it's like um it can it can move really fast and these events can just spring out of nowhere or you know reacting to what's happening in the world and news you know us online we can react really quickly which i think is exciting and a great opportunity but I, i suppose for a lot of fundraisers and charities especially smaller ones it's that's quite a scary thing isn't it because it's like it's it's hard it feels hard to keep up is there anything that we can do is you know if you're a fundraiser in a small charity how do you how do you feel like you take control back of that or do you just kind of go with the flow
1: that's an interesting question because I think one of the bits that there was a lot of discussion I think it's the same across the board when I bring 20 charities that are doing things in sort of live streaming and gaming there's a lot of initial conversations and risk assessments about how to handle this type of fundraising you know there's the, the concerns about I think the, the stereotype of what a game might be and yeah. you know if they're online and they're wearing your charity's t-shirts and they're swearing left right and center while they're live streaming <laughs> how does that look and there are a lot of these concerns that crop up but it's again trying to reframe the way you look at it I think and one of the things that really helped us was you know if somebody's running a London marathon and they stub their toe halfway around and they're, they're wearing your charity shirts as they're running around they might not be best pleased and again they might be sort of saying things with hundreds of people lying in the streets watching how is mm. that different to somebody live streaming um and it's not it, they're the content creators they're doing their own thing you know again we don't police every tea party and go around and say well absolutely you can't have alcohol there you can't do this that and the other it's trying to look at the ways that managing what you can and so we provide a lot of support materials to our fundraisers and sort of guides about obviously with the pets at Blue Cross and we hope our fundraisers are too. So if you can avoid games where you're going around shooting animals, that'd be fantastic. But again, if that's what your channel is all about, um, we can't really control it and it's knowing what is in your control and what isn't. Um, So it's really trying to find what you can support people with and guide them as best as possible so that when they do sort of hit the ground running, if they were to just go and start a fundraiser tonight, they've got the resources there already. They've got some advice and guidance some safeguarding tips and tricks and, you know, they're not just kind of Left to their own devices completely, you have provided at least some base information. It's up to them whether they use it or not, but you've kind of done your due diligence and put what you can out there into the space for them.
0: It's funny you say that because it's like it it does. We we're all a little paranoid, I feel sometimes about online. Like it does feel like online is a bit of a wild, wild west sometimes, and we're we're super worried that you know, super worried about what's going to be said online, but. I mean like you said it's like is it that different from from the real world because i mean we've seen we've seen like celebrity ambassadors who you know huge scandals come out about them we've seen you know these real life events where you know something weird has happened or something that's that's not on brand so it, it just it feels like it is the same thing it, as long as you do your due diligence and and you and you keep an eye on it and manage the relationship properly it's not it's not that different from normal community fundraising that we're all used to maybe nikki you've got you've probably got some some horror stories from your community fundraising days do you
2: yeah uh, i mean what community fundraiser doesn't uh, i remember one one trap I, it's weird because at the time like you're in it and you just obviously want to do really well but now reflecting on it i'm like god like how much time got used on that and there was a guy he had this painting that he'd that he painted and he wanted me to sell it um to obviously give like the money to the charity and I was quite fresh this so I was like oh yeah like this will be fine and then you know you're trying to be like this art curator and ah, oh, it's just yeah it's, it's it's overwhelming well the reason why I put my hand up to speak was something that Thomas had said which I think is really important and um, it reminded me of a conversation I'd had with Nikki Rentsch from the RNLI the other day there's a huge shift at the moment and especially with our supporters where like trust and autonomy is going to be a huge driver for how well people are able to support us Um, I think the more restrictions that a charity put on their supporters for ways that they can um, you know fundraise for them and you know the brand guidelines and all those sorts of things like it's very restrictive and now that we are seeing a wave of you know, people growing up and being creators, and you know, having um, their own control over their own channels. I think that's going to be a really hard, like push and pull of charities continue down that route. So, I think that's a big shift that we are going to see on a bigger scale in in the next decade, You know, even in the next five years at least, and um, where we do have to relinquish some of that control. And Nikki put it quite well, actually. And she's speaking. We've got a conference at the end of May. Uh, the virtual leadership festival, and she's delivering a session about um leading with trust because she was saying you know with RNLI volunteers they go out and save lives at sea and if we can't then trust them with to do their own banking and like have a bank book like. You know what are we what are we doing? Um. So she's going to be sharing, uh, her uh, behind the scenes tips of of how they you know work with people and allow them to to take the lead in most cases. And it's great to hear that Thomas is doing that as well with with their uh, live streaming and supporters. Because once you try and bend them to fit into your box, like. You know, you just you you pull back from that. You want to push back on that. So, yeah, I'd love to hear if any other of our listeners that are here today um, are doing anything like that, where they are starting to transition control. I'd be really interested to hear some other examples.
0: Is that, is that that? And you know more about this than I do. Is that that the kind of new power argument where the new power is like people on the ground, that you're empowering them and, and handing over a bit of control and trust? And that's 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 the organizations that are, are thriving at the moment are the ones who allow that that freedom as opposed to the ones who try and over-restrict and control everything. Is that what new power is, or have I missed the definition?
2: Um, I mean, new power in itself is is like the older ways of, of working where you have um a very few uh, people with the power and then they wield that for, you know, their own benefit and to exclude, you know, people that are already marginalized Um, and, you know, it's, it's for own gain. So I'm not sure if in this context, um, it's the same thing. Um, no, not, not the same thing, but I think it is. Yeah, there's definitely, there was definite pieces in the book there around. I think this is like collaboration and exactly what Martha was talking about in the session earlier on today around like coalition. So it's like, Hey, you, you believe in the same change in the world that I believe in. Let's, like pool resources share skills um and the person who knows more on that skill leads on it and the person who knows more on that skill leads on it and let's get it done together like that's the crack and i think when we're like moving from new like all power to to new power i think this challenge is there in itself as well because it's like well if the structures that exist aren't smashed down and changed then like what where's the there's also a risk of the new power then becoming the new old power and it's very complicated and there's a book i know there's a i wasn't expecting to talk about it so i wasn't prepared with my book summary no it's cool um but there's a book that i like um that i kind of think fits more with, with the vibe that we're going for which is be more pirate um and in that you know they're talking about exactly that you know like working on ways to create better spaces for for everyone um for like the ninety nine percent, and and working uh, together to make that happen. And actually, as it happens, I promise this wasn't a, uh, an intentional plug. But they're speaking at that leadership conference as well. Uh, the pirates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the one of the uh, the the authors from the Be More Pirate book uh, are coming to do a session about radical leadership at the conference as well. Um, so yeah, you can tell where my mind was at when I was curating that conference, can't you?
0: Yeah, you're very pirateish, aren't you? But I, <laughs> I, I find it really, I find it really interesting, like what Tom was saying about and tying into what you're saying where it's like you know some of the fundraisers might swear you know some of the people would do it and and it's weird that that we're so super worried about like a community uh, you know volunteer fundraiser swearing or putting a little foot wrong or you know just being human as opposed to that clean clinical sterile version that that we kind of used to rely on it's like why are we so afraid of people acting uh I mean, I don't want to say normal, but people acting like human beings, you know, we all kind of swear, we all slip up, and we all, you know, do these things. Why, why are we so, why do we think it's going to taint the charity's reputation so badly?
2: I think it's and this is like personal opinion like it's not fact-based whatsoever but I guess from hearing you explain it that way and the other issues that we have in the sector where it's very much like you know the sector to the general public and we are very careful about like how we interact with them and we protect the supporter from I don't know maybe feeling uncomfortable or like overdo it on relationships to make them feel special and there's like a big power imbalance there and I think the sector's gone very much down that line of like it's hard to come back from that because then there will be a little bit of pushback on it. But we are seeing it, you know, we are seeing um, organisations try different things, sharing like their full backstory and history. There is like a bit of pushback and backlash on it, but then we come together and help them support it. But I would love to see, and again, I think this is definitely something that we'll see in in time, because it's moving that way around that more kind of like authentic and storytelling and and user-driven narrative. Um, I think that would be amazing. I would love for, you know, fundraisers to be able to, build relationships with people and have that support over time to help people give a gift that you know aligns with what they want to achieve like um in, in, in the change but then given the charity as well the trust to spend that in the right way but there's just big kind of you know trust power struggles you know um history that will take time to to unravel um but yeah that's it that's a, a much bigger problem very interesting
0: is it was there anything else in the session today i'll ask tom and, and nikki was there anything else in the session today that one of the other speakers said that kind of stood out for you or anything any other kind of notable points people made that you thought were are worth sharing here um that you maybe you hadn't really kind of formed in your mind before
2: thomas i'll let you go first while i, while I think <laughs>
0: tom is Thomas, from the from the panel today is there anything anything from the other speakers that you thought was really interesting
1: and I, I think some of it i mean hearing about uh what nikki and arthur do is fantastic because that's sort of a side of virtual that i don't really deal with is sort of the more that the conference side of things and actually there's a lot about the um bits of being touched about making sure things are inclusive and uh sort of taking everything into account that you guys touched on which i was like there are ways that we can bring that into the community and mass participation at events side of things as well and making sure that what we produce is also inclusive and welcoming for everybody because I think there are a lot of people um, that we have heard of taking part in our events which, you know, have come to us uh, last year when we sort of started really first doing these virtual events and some of the feedback was along the lines of um, people coming and saying, well, actually, you know, I really liked the opportunity to do something that wasn't going for a run for you or doing a hundred mile bike ride. It was something mm. that was accessible to me. So it's something we're starting to work more on on how we can be more inclusive with those events. But I think it was really good to sort of be able to hear different sides. And for example, like what Dan Rachel over at Samaritans was doing was much more uh she kind of like safeguarding and the behind the scenes and the planning side of things and there are bits there as well which you do have to cover every eventuality with, with live events because as we saw with my tech crashing on me uh, anything can happen when you're live on the internet so i think there are so many different aspects to consider and that's why opportunities like this to sort of bring fundraisers together to talk about them it, it sort of helps to raise some of the issues that can be up and hopefully get other charities to a stage where they can start launching these products because as i say they, they are really inclusive by their nature so uh, i think that's something i would definitely have to say
0: yeah, I heard more and more organisations, you know, don't see it as a as a scary, uh, like a scary dark unknown, but actually as kind of an exciting new frontier that that we can kind of help shape. And actually, you know, so someone talks in your session, someone's talking in the chat box about the future of it and what's gonna, what it's gonna look like. And I think we we've only started scratching the surface, but I think we're going to see some really interesting events coming up. And um, and we can really, we can really make our mark with this stuff by doing doing things for the first time, um, or you know, sh- working with people who are doing it the first time to be be part of it. And and that that excites me. I think it doesn't doesn't scare me. Obviously, we have to be cautious and, like you say, do due diligence. But I think it's exciting what what we're about to see.
2: Yeah, um, I was just remembering um, the conversation uh, between I think Rachel and, and Thomas both spoke about this, but around safeguarding um, and just making sure as well that the charities have their policies and. Um, uh, like uh, safeguarding um, in place right, if they are interacting with people um, on virtual events and and live streaming. I think going back to your um, point before Simon about giving, you know, streamers and and Thomas's your point as well about giving streamers like the freedom to interaction engage in the wrong way, but that opens up quite a lot of uh, risk and challenges. I guess if you're dealing with vulnerable people, so just making sure that you think about that rather than just you know plowing straight into hosting a, a fundraiser and uh, just making sure that you have teams on, on hand throughout just to pick up anything that that may happen but
0: why does online seem so much scarier sometimes like you know it's like surely the the risk is much higher at an in-person event you know the risk of something detrimental happening is much higher online you know you can just kind of switch off or step away from your computer or things like that why are we why are we so afraid of of online is it just an unknown thing or is there like like you know people are always talking about getting zoom bombed you know when you're on a zoom call and people afraid someone's going to come in naked shouting at you but i mean that's never happened to me i've never seen i don't know anyone that's happened to so are, are we are we extra paranoid about online stuff or is it are we right to be a bit paranoid about it?
1: I, I think it's right to approach it with some caution and um, i think the reason why perhaps people are more cautious about it with an in-person event you're going to have a staff presence there you're going to have a volunteer presence there could yeah. manage things as they come up and with online as we mentioned earlier because a lot of it can be sort of just ad hoc and it's happening at all times of the day and night you're not necessarily going to have anyone there to supervise so it could just be the person on their own um potentially like i say a, a vulnerable uh, person streaming online and uh, things can happen and so i think again that's where preparing them and making sure you've got guidelines and saying actually to your fundraisers i know uh, Rach touched on us today on the panel is telling them it's okay to stop if you're uncomfortable or anything you don't have to stream and you know do feel free that you're not doing anything to hurt the charity if you just say right that's it i'm turning off for today and we'll come back to this fundraising or we'll tackle it a later date mm-hmm. it's absolutely okay to say that and i think it's really important to
0: stress to people that
1: their health and welfare comes first when they're doing these things because we can't always be there um so yeah it's quite an important fact there
0: and I thought I thought it was funny in your session, Tom and Nikki. It's like it, it ended up talking about like fundraiser wellbeing and fundraiser mental health, as as almost every session now ends up there because it's like an underlying theme and everything. And it's so important, but it's just like when I when I went on to watch a session about virtual events, I didn't expect it to end up there. But I suppose logically it makes sense that that does underlie everything we do, doesn't it? Just kind of self care, looking after um, people who are involved fisheries and just looking after fundraisers because it's a tough it's a tough gig. Okay, well, we are um, we usually run these for about an hour, so we're coming towards the end here, but I do want to give uh, anyone else who's listening the opportunity to share your opinions. Today, we, we're kind of particularly talking about um, the, this trend we're seeing where where charities are really beginning to take virtual events and live streaming and things like that seriously as part of their community fundraising program. Uh, we've been talking to Tom, who's um, who, who's kind of dedicated to that stuff now in, in the Blue Cross. But I'd love to hear um, anyone else who wants to share their opinion. If you want to put up your hand, Otherwise, we're going to start to wrap it up. But if anyone has any strong thoughts, you're very, very welcome. And if you have yet to make a podcast appearance, this is a great opportunity for you to make your podcast debut or debut, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Uh, anyone who, who has any thoughts, do feel free to request the microphone and we'll bring you on. Um, but otherwise, we'll start to wrap it up. Nikki, have you got any last thoughts on, on this kind of topic and and you know on reflection from the fundraising online uh, event this morning? Is there anything else that kind of stuck with you that that you think you're going to take away from here?
2: Uh, just staying connected with people that are a bit further down the journey, learning from successes and failures.
0: Very good. And 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 Tom, I'm not sure you heard it earlier, but I was basically saying like we're all going to be sitting back watching every single mistake you make and every single success you have and, and basically stealing your ideas. So no pressure there. Um, but Thomas, do you have any last thoughts on it or any, anything you want to say to us as, a, as someone in a, a, a unique position, I think?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, we're always happy to share those successes and failures. Advice. There are things that you test, and it's early days for us. I know uh, there are charities out there that are a lot further along than we are particularly sort of in the US. Um, but it's networking and, as Nikki said, keeping in touch with people that are already on that journey and are looking to get onto it because there are always unique things we're finding out and seeing different ways we're approaching it. And uh, we've gone very much down the sort of mass participation route so far, and it's starting to look how can we involve more creators and make it a bit more personal, a bit more community-focused again because um, we think that's potentially where the, the future of these types of events really lie.
0: Amazing. That's cool. Well, thanks a million, Thomas, for sharing your time, taking the time to come on here. Great to hear from you, and, and I'm sure we'll be hearing uh, plenty from you in the future. You're always very welcome to join us. Um to everyone else, we are going to start to wrap up now. Just a reminder, we do try and have these uh, Twitter Spaces slash podcasts every month. So if you uh, if you are here this this month, then do come back next month and and invite your friends and family and loved ones. Um, and if you're listening to this on the podcast recording, we hope you'll join us live next time just to give you a reminder of what's coming up on Fundraising Everywhere that you might be uh, um, interested in. Tomorrow, we've got a session uh, about traditional radio, fundraising um, using traditional radio methods, uh, which is kind of uh, almost the opposite of this futuristic talk that we're talking about. The radio is still working for people. So we've got a a free webinar on that, which you can see at fundraisingeverywhere.com. At the end of this month, next week, in fact, we have our legacy fundraising summit um so this is our fundraising conference which is very much focused on uh legacies uh and you know people leaving money to your organization in the will in in, will, in their will um and there's actually lots and lots of uh, stuff around this which is really interesting legacies is, is certainly not my area of expertise so i'm looking forward to hearing what people have to say um, and then, uh, what else have we got coming up, Nikki? Is there anything else particularly oh, you want to Oh, my goodness, you're going to kill me. The <laughs> launch of our research. Uh, so, the launch of the Everywhere Plus research, which is basically talking about these virtual events and um, and looking at data over the last year and what charities have had successes with, and, and we'll be publishing um, those results. So, you can see that coming up on everywhereplus.com.
2: And we've got a few more things as well. We have uh, the Legacy Conference, uh, which is happening on the 28th of April. So that's a uh, week tomorrow, next Thursday. I just have, said that. Oh, did you? I'm so sorry. Uh, we have the uh, Leadership uh, Conference next month, which is for anyone that wants to be a leader or is a leader who wants to create a better sector. And we have Small charities Conference in June. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So basically the most of the events for this year are on sale on the website if anyone wants to go and check them out we've got a couple more to add uh, but the whole you, you get the vibe for the stuff that's happening on there
0: yeah so pick and choose your events or remember our fundraising everywhere members for a small monthly fee you get access to everything is included in the membership but do check that out it's all at fundraisingeverywhere.com, or obviously keep an eye on the uh, fund everywhere twitter account uh, that you are listening to now and follow it and um and if anyone ever wants to talk about anything then do reach out to us you can find myself and nikki on twitter um, and the rest of the team at fundraisingeverywhere.com. we're always happy to hear from you um but my friends that's the end of it so i'm gonna i'm gonna thank you all for joining us thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, And until next time, have a good day. Take care, everyone.
2: Thank you.